Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannato and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller producing the program. Sitting across me, the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. A top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at mgiannato. Mark, good day, sir. What a pleasant surprise. Seeing you across from me here, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't get, you couldn't go three days without me, could you? You know what it really is. I guess you did go three days. Without me. Couldn't go four days without me, could you? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I did call in Wednesday. Yeah, you did. That's true. You well, know what it really is. I, I can't be out of the mix. <laughs> I, I can't. That's the sign it. of yeah. a. That is the sign of a good journalist. I actually recall when Cole was born, my first kid, and I believe. It was, yeah, it was January 19th, and it was like something happened with Marc Gasol. I forget exactly what it was. January 19th, 2019. It was the bad season. It was that last season. Well, wasn't it? It was just trade deadline. Yeah, but this, we were still a couple weeks away from the deadline. But it well, Didn't Marc get moved before the deadline? Yes. So and we had prob- that, remember we had that awkward, there was that awkward game where uh, he they they sat him out and he came out for the first half. Yeah, it was the last home game. Yeah, because he wanted to say but goodbye. This was, yeah. this was before that. I forget why. Maybe you're right. Maybe it no, was I, just I the trade deadline. No, he got. I think it was just moving Mark because remember we then we had the whole. I think they were in Utah. Yeah. And Mark, or I'm sorry, Mike wasn't getting moved. Remember there was like the yeah. whole drama of. I don't know if they, they were in be Utah. To- they were in like Dallas or something. Like that. But yeah, you're right. But I just remember something happened with Marcus Saul, and I was just like. I gotta write a column. Like I got, you know, I know I'm supposed to be on, you know, I'm supposed to be on paternity leave, and and I just wrote it. And I remember Jeff texted me afterwards and was like, you know, like it's both the blessing and the curse no, of being like a journalist. Like, hundred percent. You know, it's like a good, it's a sign that you're a great one. Your your wife probably also hates it that you know you you can't stay. You you got to be in the mix. I have found that if I would make a ton of money. My wife would be fine with me being always in the mix. I think it's the problem, though, that the whole don't make a ton of money. Mm. I think that's where you start. Like, I've noticed there's a direct relationship with women of willing to tolerate you not being there as much if you make 
X amount of money. But there's definitely there's definitely a, like a Mendoza line of, all right, you better be bringing if you're gonna if you're going to disappear, you better be bringing home this much. Mm. But her best friends in so her mom was in town, her best friends in town, and so I'm gonna do the first segment, and then I also have to do the MLS game tonight. Oh, okay. There you go. Well. Great. We get to have you here for Friday where we discuss mm-hmm. what are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend. And we've got plenty. It's week zero, baby. Tomorrow. I'm so glad I have you. Well, I was a little worried like when you told me the kid was going to be born around the start of college football because next week, I mean, a week from yesterday is our first tasting menu of the year. And like, and it's doing, a full one. Doing the tasting menu without you is, I did mm-hmm. it once last year. It was very difficult because like, Honestly, like I can't read your mind on terms of what you're gonna watch. I know you like that must have been was that when I was I think you had to travel buddies. for Yeah, I think that something. was my, my college buddy's wedding it in I wine just remember country. going, This is not the same without yeah. without Jeffrey. You gotta have the storylines. You see, you look for just like ranked on ranked. Like yeah. I will tell you why this game actually matters. Um, we so are, I feel like this is a good sign that we're gonna have you for the, the tasting menu next Thursday. Yes, I, I I will be back for reals on Monday. Okay. Well, that's good. Fingers crossed. That's good news. Well, I'm glad everything is going yes. well. Happy, with, healthy. With the little baby. Are you sleeping well? All right. Let me let me try this take on you. Okay. Tasty Take Thursday was yesterday. I know, but this is uh, – I miss Tasty Take Thursday, so uh, this is a delayed version of Tasty Take Thursday. In fairness, I came up with this take on Thursday, but okay. I, haven't been, I, I haven't been able to, to drop it on you. The widest gap in opinion is how women feel at the maternity ward versus how their husbands feel at the maternity ward. Okay. Like, the women are like, this is vacation. Like, they love it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Bringing me breakfast in bed. Not only that, like, everyone's on call. Yeah, you just press a button and get the Correct. While we're just jumping out of our skin. We're having to sleep on these rock hard like. Did I you get a pullout couch? It wasn't modified I, pullout. Modified pull. So yeah. essentially, what it was was like fake. Like it was like some form Long of footrest, basically. So there was two parts to it. So yes, it was very long. Yeah. Like the length of, I don't know. It was at least ten feet long. Mm-hmm. Maybe perhaps, uh, perhaps longer. Maybe uh, you could talk me into twelve. But there was these. Fold out. Remember, uh, like in like if you've ever gone to like the gymnastics things, like when they have like the pull out floor and like it's mm-hmm. like cushion and it, it it's like squares. It was basically it folded out into two giant or two long rectangles that had like a crease in the middle that essentially functioned as the mattress, mm-hmm. and that thing was like sleeping on. Honestly, like it was basically like sleeping on the floor. Like you woke up and. Even if you fell asleep, like you felt, I had, I've never felt as hungover as I did having no alcohol in my system, sleeping on that thing. It's the world's most expensive, like Hampton Inn. <laughs> like it's like so a you wanted out of there. You oh my out of there. god, yes. So you did two nights, three nights, really, technically two Tuesday, nights, all day Tuesday. Yeah, two nights. Yeah, Tuesday, and then. Some, sometime around lunch yesterday, we got the discharge. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I would hope you know, the glow of that new child offsets some of the, the, the uh, 
uncomfort, discomfort, if you will? No. No? No. <laughs> like, the, the, you are super, like, that's the thing. It's like, well, the key for you from here on out, though, is going to be you're going to be awoken or awakened by your baby in the middle of the night. The key to everything is being able to fall asleep, back asleep quickly. My wife cannot do it. I am like an expert. at you, you can wake me up with crying, but I can fall back asleep like two or three minutes once I put my head down. Some people can't do that, and it's a real killer I would these throw early, the other early days. Being able to sleep like sitting up. Mm. If you can sleep sitting up, I think you can get like same thing. Okay. Back to sleep. All yeah. Right. But it's what are we going to be talking about on Monday? So let's yeah. start first with the news from the commercial appeal that you had yesterday. Yeah. Well, today, this morning, it wasn't news from us. It was Bill Hargrave. Uh, the exclusive. The, the, the president uh, at University of Memphis. We haven't heard from him much since he got the job publicly, like, right? He, he, and I, I don't say that as a negative. Like, I think he just has a he different approach. He definitely has a lower profile. Di- different approach to the job than his predecessor did, um, for better or worse. And, um, but ahead of the start of football season and with the last month of chaos in conference realignment uh, that has occurred, he penned an, o- an op-ed uh, in the commercial appeal that was published this morning. And um, he, uh, in which, I don't think there's any, there was some, int- I'll say this, felt like, Nothing really new on the conference realignment front. Like, honestly, it just sounded like new spin on what they've been saying the last few years, right? Wouldn't you say on the conference realignment front, by and large? Yeah. I, I do think there was a, the the one difference I feel like – I think there was more of an acknowledgement. I felt like it was more honest than some of the other spin that we've seen. Okay. But it was still – it, it, you're right. It was still it still rhymed with the same message that we've been hearing. Yes, um, and um, you know hit their stance is I think the key parts are they are not giving up. Okay, they are um, they are going to continue at this, and because they feel he 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 compared it to a rolling admissions process with no clear endpoint, and he said this is what he wrote: um, the process is also dictated by university presidents working together to reach a consensus about each move. It won't be finished until all university presidents determine a collective endpoint. Layer on forces like economics, media deals, and speculation, and supporters feel the fatigue. Um, While we are proud members of the AAC, we will always thoroughly vet opportunities that advance the university long-term. A lengthy or uncertain process will not deter us from making the case for the University of Memphis to receive fair consideration. A lesser fan base might throw in the towel, but that's not true for our base of supporters, nor is it the right strategy for the university. When I joined U of M a year ago, the shared dynamic between our city and the university drew me. Folks come to Memphis to be somebody, and they give very little regard to naysayers. So um, they're not giving up, and they feel like there's going to be more movement. And it's kind of, I mean, I'm going to be honest, it's what they said last year and two years ago. When, And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, like, that's just the reality. It's it's a similar refrain coming from a new voice. Um, it was nice to hear from him. I think it was nice to hear reassuring words from him on this because he'd been really silent, you know, through all, all this. Um, I guess my problem with this is it goes back to the whole concept of, like, should Memphis – be in one of these, be included in one of these conferences. 
I think absolutely. Does it deserve to be? On If we're going on merit on the field, like it feels like if SMU can be in one of these leagues, if Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF can be in these leagues, yeah, I think Memphis can be in one of these leagues too. The problem with the whole premise is that that is not how this is decided. College sports is a complete cluster F, and it is strictly determined by who's got the most money or who's going to deliver the most money. Um, and SMU is the most overt. I would perfect, say who's worth the most money. Yeah, worth the most. But SMU is the most overt example of, like, money is everything. They are paying their way in to the ACC if this goes through. Right, but let's also – here. first off, like, I, I commend Hargrave for actually, like, putting his name on it. Yeah. Like, this isn't leaked. This is him stating his case. And it, while I can nitpick on some of the things – I respect the fact that you sit there and go, this is our position. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Let's lay it out. The problem, though, that I see is that SMU wouldn't even be in this position mm-hmm. if ESPN doesn't come up and say, yeah. all right, we're willing to sit there and go, if Stanford will take, if Stanford and Cal will take, like, I don't know, let's throw out a number, $18 million. Per, or $18 million between like, the two of them. It sounds like it's going to be less than that for each of them. It sounds like it's going to be more like $10 million a piece for each of them. That's what I'm saying, $18 yeah. million between oh, the two of them. Between two Correct, of them, yeah. so nine a piece. Yeah. So if they'll take that And SMU, then we can add in some TV revenue from going, getting into Dallas, and SMU's will, SMU will do what, you know, they'll pay whatever. Correct. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, but, like, look at it this way. But, no, like his, the, but like, let, let's, let's also, it, first off, it takes everyone doing this whole President's thing. Mm-hmm. The ACC presidents wanted Stanford and Cal. This yeah. didn't. This didn't develop until ESPN finally said, "All right, here's a, here's a little bit more money," and then let's look at what it, what's going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. SMU is going to have to pay. I don't know what's the exit fee going to be. Seventeen million, roughly. Uh, it's been yeah. Well, it's, I think it's it's nego- they've negotiated different numbers over the years. I think to leave right away it like, I think I forget what Houston and Cincinnati and them play, paid. I thought it was roughly 17 million. But that's not I think it's 27 million technically and then they negotiate it down. Okay. 18 million is what they've all, all right. paid. All right. So and but they but they only have to pay it out. They pay it out over 14 years those schools. Okay, but so. All right, let's look at this. So SMU is essentially saying we're going to pay 18 million. And then we're also going to forfeit what eight million per year from the American. Yeah, and then we're going to take no money for seven years. And oh, by the way, we are, and I, we haven't heard this for sure, but typically you're also agreeing that you're going to start funding your programs like the ACC does. Correct. Like, so, like whereas, like for instance, like this is something people haven't factored in. Like Memphis's athletic budget is around like sixty five million dollars each year. The lowest. Like the the worst budgets in the ACC exceed a hundred million each year. Like Virginia Tech is one of the worst funded schools in the ACC. Like in the bottom half of the public schools, if you will, or not, not if you will, they, they just are. But they, and they're they were barely over a hundred like a couple years ago. And they like and they had to they they had to. The reason I know that is because they put the numbers out there because it was part of a huge fundraising effort because they knew they were playing, you know, they were way behind everyone else in the ACC. Yeah, I was trying to, like, so essentially so you're you're talking You're basically going to pay 
I mean, we're talking about you're talking like fifty million dollars a year. Oh, for more, seven no. years, you're talking over a hundred million dollars per year. Well, I'm not so. The way you have to look but at you've it, got the only so think about this. That this means the only revenue that you will be making is like ticket sales. That's it. Well, the 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 only reason I say it might be a little less than that is like if you take it literally, they're not actually losing the ACC money, and that they never have gotten it before. Correct. But my point is they're forfeiting the yes. American money, yes. which is still ten million dollars, and then you're paying on top of that, you're paying to leave the conference. Yep. And then you're going to have to fund. Every single sport. You're probably you're, if let's say SMU's let's say SMU's budget is a little bit higher than Memphis's, like seventy million, seventy five million. You're still talking about at least twenty to twenty five million dollars a year that you're going to have to make up, and that's just to be at the bottom of the conference. You know, like that's not to compete with Clemson and Florida State. That's to be that's to be where Wake Forest is. You know, that's to be where Virginia Tech is in terms of budget. So um, no, and that's. That's the whole my it's why honestly this SMU bypassing Memphis to me hurts way less in ret- certainly in retrospect than Cincinnati Houston and UCF bypassing Memphis and going to the Big 12 um because I just don't think this one was even close to a fair fight ultimately cuz I don't think Mem- Memphis can't do what SMU is about to do they can't front that type of money. No, but I mean, that's my point is like the only okay, way, but frankly, the, the only I, way here's, Memphis. Here's, here's why I bring up SMU. Look at, if you look at how conference realignment is going, mm-hmm. for the most part, it is not people moving up. I think the, the three examples of people moving up that you can see are UCF, Cincinnati, and. Well, Louisville did. No, no, but I'm saying. Oh. This recently. last round, this last and round, and now that, SMU, but it's 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 but, with an but, asterisk. Correct. Yeah, I believe I can't remember if UCF and Houston and Cincinnati are all getting a full share. I know BYU's. I not don't think get, not initially. I don't think they're. I don't think they're getting a full share. Yeah, I don't think initially. But let's like also keep in mind like that was what eighteen months ago. Like that's probably the last time you're going to see it. If you're going to move up, well, they got they got accept, they agreed to the buyouts a little over a year ago. It was two years ago where they got into the league. Okay, basically. but my point is like, all right, that's two years ago. Yeah, and everything's changed. Everything since then has either been consolidation or cutting. Yes, now you could you know again if you're gonna if you're gonna spin this positive because if you're gonna spin this the way. Bill Hardgrave is spinning it, that this is not over. Like, that's kind of what the message he's trying. We need you to support this program, to come to the football games, to watch on TV, to to donate. We need you because this is not over. That's kind of his message, right? Yeah, and I think that's actually fair because I refuse to believe, to me, uh, if the ACC, I guess maybe this is inevitable, when the ACC goes along with this plan of adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU, Mm -hmm. That, to me, is no different than when the Big 12 came up with, like, a compromise to keep Texas, when they changed, like, the merit-based money. Like, that's going to keep this – that will keep them maybe happy for a little bit. But at a certain point, like, Florida State has been very clear. They are getting out. Well, the question is – because that – to your point, like, the way this works out in your favor, I guess there's two scenarios where this works out better than what you have it now. The one that feels the most reasonable – 
doesn't result in you being a power conference, but it does result in you being ta- teamed up with the Mountain West, with Oregon State, Washington State, and being in some sort of league like that, especially for football. Right? Yes. Essentially the, being the biggest of the non. Yes, have some sort of partnership with those schools, whatever it ends up, how it ends up shaking out. I think that's better than what Memphis is, the situation Memphis finds itself in now, where it feels like, you know, like the real tragedy of this SMU thing is like it feels like Memphis truly is now all alone in the AAC. Like they are the program, like who else is like like-minded with them? I guess USF, but just with terrible execution, maybe Tulane, but that's only recent. It yeah, feels, you know, I, I like, mean, the problem is like none of these schools are like strive like Memphis does. Tulsa's at times had a very yeah. good athletic department. Like I do think Tulsa cares. The problem is Tulsa seems again to, poor execution over the last ten. They years. They seem it to feels fluctuate. Like. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems hard to maintain. Them. Correct. It seemed like basketball. They had a nice, you know, they had Tubby who did well. That Bill, Bill Self. Self was there, and then yeah, they had like a couple coaches in a row. But, um, but I mean, like the, T- Tulsa spent a long time being a better football program than even Memphis. Yeah, for sure. Um. But then the other scenario is, you've talked about it, and you think it is ultimately, even while the Big 12 stuff was circling, you you felt the best option long-term for Memphis would ultimately be whenever the ACC crumbles a bit, if you will, you join up with the remnants of the ACC. That, that was the best, ult- yes. That would ultimately be the best shot. So if we're to presu- that's the only way, to me, that's the only scenario where maybe you become part of a quote-unquote power conference, and even then it feels iffy to be honest if it's like if if that league is without Florida State Clemson UNC Virginia like Miami is that really a power conference I don't I don't know about that if it's like Wake and Duke and Stanford and Cal I mean to me that's not even necessarily the question the question for me is does it even matter because I think at that point mm-hmm. you could be seeing the world where it's it's the SEC it's the Big 10 and Maybe they allow, they bring the Big 12 with them. But the way I look at it is the Big 12 went from on its deathbed in some eyes 100%. to now it is the leader in the clubhouse, it feels like. Well, and it took a kill shot. To be the to be the third best conference. They killed a competitor. You know, especially if Memphis if, if the ACC loses Florida State and Clemson, it feels like the Big 12 is the leader to be the best of the non-top, the, the third best conference, if you will. If ACC I would loses, say when. When, whatever. Like, yeah. But the, the, yes, that's, agree, that's part agree. of why you peg them as the leaders because you're presuming yes. Florida State and Clemson are going to eventually. They're not long for this world. Yes, they're going to eventually leave. And they did it by adding those, th- you know, like adding those three schools stabilized them. It wasn't like they weren't big boons adding Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati, but it did feel like it certainly stabilized them and set them up to then a year later, two years later, well, to really strengthen here, their position. Here's also where I give them credit. They were kind of tipping their hand. Now, they were operating from a a position of more power, mm-hmm. but yet again, in that by taking the strategy that they did, and Bob Bowlesby deserves some credit for this, when Bowlesby, when Bowlesby figured out that Oresco and ESPN were trying to navigate and move the remnants of the Big 12 to the, a- to the AAC, Mm-hmm. To make it a better better league, he called you know he called their bluff. Like remember he's like they're colluding. This is uh, illegal, and so that backed that backed Oresco back into his cave, and he you know he lost the aggressiveness. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that allowed for Bowlesby and crew to just go and take the best properties from the AAC. And so you essentially neutered another threat. The, the larger problem, though, that I have with all of this is, in the end, I think this is bad for Memphis if Cal and Stanford are now ACC members. And the reason why I think it's bad is even when, when inevitably they lose programs, I think what we saw with Stanford is they've operated from a position of elitism. Mm -hmm. I don't see Stanford and the like-minded crew saying we're going to play in the same conference as Memphis. Yeah. um, Because also, to your as you pointed out, let's look at one of the big reasons why this is even on the table. This is on the table because the ACC has, what was it, like 11 of 15 it's a lot. There's there are a lot of. It's like there are seventy a lot of percent per, of decision makers. There, have, it's not that a, many, but there are quite a few presidents and ads in that league with Stanford or Cal degrees of some kind, including the guy who's leading, who has led the charge, the Notre Dame ad Jack. Who is Swarbrick. also, by the way, I like this is what's so like. This is where you sit there and you go. This is all so stupid. Mm-hmm. This guy's leaving office. Yes, and. Doesn't even play football in the league, and apparently has one of the loudest voices in well, the room. Well, it's because he can go like you know, hey, listen, you know, you you do this, you still have a shot to maybe get us if we want to not go independent next go round, next TV go round, if you will, and that'll say. And ultimately, okay, have we? Ne- I like, know, I know, it's stupid. It's but they- Mark, this is the lifeguard that were whatever the girl that would talk to you about yes. the NBA draft yes. that was yes. three years older than you that I had like, no shot with. But correct. You know what? When she was talking correct. with me, she was talking with me. I'd listen. Correct. That's, honestly, that's how I feel like. That's how I feel like Memphis gets treated in all of this. They these conference leaders tell them exactly what they want to hear. Yes. Right up until the moment they say, we're going another direction. I'm sorry. Correct. Um, and, and it's where, honestly, if I'm Memphis, like, I, I, I appreciate that Bill Hargrave, like, is actually writing their position. Mm-hmm. I think you got to take the UCF approach. You got to be annoying. You got to be boisterous. You got to be loud. I think it's got to like, be got, some combination of the two. Like, this playing, playing nice only like, makes it easier for my, them to t- let you down. My sense is... The current administration, because they they do their business in a less loud way, correct, has been has been able to get in some doors that maybe Memphis hasn't in the past, and I think it's been a good thing for the university, specifically, frankly, with this renovation, the money they got from the state for the renovation of Li- Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, and I think that's very useful, frankly. I also think you need some of what like. David Rudd brought, which was, you know, being kind of, as you put it, like, you know, loud, really, like, I think there needs to be a synergy of the two, you know, ultimately, like, there's some things that, you know, and, and, and I don't even think, but I don't know, I I, I don't even know if it's gonna, I don't know if that's gonna work either, to be quite honest, because this whole thing is about money, and what school is gonna bring the most money. But see, no, it's like, that's the thing that makes the Stanford part maddening. Mm -hmm. This is not about money. What do you mean? The ACC is going to get more money by adding these three schools. Every school in that league is going to get more money. But it's not because Stanford and Cal and SMU are coming. It's literally because ESPN ESPN decided, 
all right, we'll kick in a few more shackles here. Like, that's it. Like, it's it's not even, it's not, it's not that Stanford, Cal, and SMU are bringing value. Because if it were value, the, they would already be, like, Stanford and Cal wouldn't be on the street. But they are bringing money. ESPN is bringing money. Well, SMU's bringing money, too. Well, uh, SMU's not even necessarily bringing money. SMU's just saying we won't take money. They're not bringing money. <laughs> Well, they are bringing some. They got to, you know, they're going to, they, because basically ESPN is going to, the, the the contract that ESPN has with the ACC, when technically, when a new member comes in, ESPN is obligated to pay them pro rata. Like you can't, they can't give a partial it, but it share. Has to be, it has to be like a tier one. Like there's and, like a, there's But I'm like just language. telling you, basically Stanford, Cal, and SMU are all bypassing that money and then that money is then going to be doled out amongst the other ACC teams. So every ACC team is going to get an additional like three to five million dollars a year, or something like that. And they're doing this to try to appease Florida State and Clemson. It won't ultimately, but right, it's but, better than okay, nothing. No, I, I get what you're saying, but what I'm telling you is, if this were about value added, th- like that's why this makes no freaking sense. But really, all this is is ESPN goes. All right, you know what we can get four times a year? We can get Clemson playing in the Bay Area, and we at can night. get Florida State playing at Stanford at the 930 game. And, and, maybe, we, and we can get the ACC Network in San Francisco and Dallas. Right. Yeah. And that really doesn't matter all that. Like, the, the yeah. rate, it's it's a, not a zero, yeah. it's, but it's still... That's that is not the motivation. Well, the other interesting part I thought I thought, were, I thought there were two interesting little tidbits uh noted in here. Um obviously the the big one I thought was the mention of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium renovations. And here's what I'm gonna read you. Um of well, there were two actually things. I thought it was we got the most I thought public acknowledgement of what happened, what they were told in 2021 from the Big 12. And it was, um, there were quote, this is what Bill Harger, in 2021, despite massive upheaval in the AAC and the Big 12, we still had work to do. There were ongoing NCAA compliance issues, a glaring need to improve our football stadium, and the university was still awaiting the R1 designation. So now we know since then, they got the R1. The, they've gotten the NCAA stuff wrapped up. They got the NCAA stuff wrapped up and now and now for you know they are planning to address the stadium issues if you will. And this is what he wrote about that. Um additionally we are approaching a key facilities deadline as the mayor's office and city council work to ensure our 200 million dollar appropriation stays on track for Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium improvements. We are grateful to our partners within the city government who have worked diligently to secure state funding for the stadium renovation. We are also grateful to our partners in the Tennessee General Assembly for appropriating this investment and prioritizing conference realignment efforts. Advancing this investment forward soon is critical to maintaining our viability in current and future realignment. Um so a couple things there. One, there was no 150 to 200 million mentioned there. It was just 200 million, um, and there they, they he's and there's correct me if I'm wrong. The cash itself 350, is 350. 350. Um, 
And oh boy, it's making clear advancing this investment forward soon is critical to maintaining our viability in current and future realignment. We are approaching a key facilities deadline. It's the first time we've gotten public acknowledgement from Memphis' side that while they're expecting the money still, there's something, there's some cause for concern within their plans here, if you will. Again, this is my interpretation. Mm-hmm. My interpretation is uh, this is more than a negotiation. My interpretation is like, uh, not only do we not have the money in the account, we're not even sure we're getting the money anymore. That's how I interpret that. I took it now, as. I'm not saying that it's like, we're not, we're never getting the money. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, this is the first time to me there's an acknowledgement of the tune has changed very quickly from all summer, which is all good, all good, all good. Yeah, we've all heard good, nothing. Good. We've heard nothing yep. to the contrary. You know, yeah, correct. That it was definitely a difference in tone. Correct. Um, I, I mean, I took it as a, you know, I think it was a st- strategic placement in there. They didn't, you know, Bill Hargrave did not mention Memphis Grizzlies in there, but like Agreed. that's just the reality is that there appear to be negotiations going on between the Grizzlies and the city behind the scenes in terms of what amount, you know, what amount of money they're going to get, what their plans are. They're going back and forth and um I think are we convinced that there's been a negotiation? Cuz my interpretation maybe discussions is probably the better word for it. No, my interpretation is like the city's basically saying what's the number? And the Grizzlies are like well, it kind of depends on this. No, like, I think there's been discussion because I think the Grizzlies have been, like, to their credit, I think, based on people I've spoken to, are acting as good faith actors or good faith citizens in this. Like, they've, you know, they had, you know, maybe an idea of what they were going to do. And then, you know, the city's like, man, we really, you know, this is really stretch this money really thin if you do this. Is there a way you could come, you know, and they've. They've gone back and tried to come up with different plans that maybe will save some money and still accomplish what they want to accomplish. Like I think the point I would make in all of this is I think everyone involved in this is trying to do what's best for the city, but also with the caveat of they, you know, ultimately Bill Hartgrave represents the University of Memphis. Jim Strickland represents the city of Memphis. The Grizzlies represent the Grizzlies. And so it's difficult. Um but I just thought it was notable that it does feel like that was an acknowledgement that, like, it's not exactly – things aren't full speed ahead as we thought. So, you know, it, it was – to me, it's saying, listen, our plans are – we told we've told everyone we're starting this renovation at the end of this football season. We still don't know how this money is getting appropriated. We're coming up on a deadline. The Grizzlies have a lease till 2027. We've, you know – our deadlines for all of this stuff, we've been, you know, we've gotten these architects, we've gotten renderings, we've got these plans, you know, we're going to have one, you know, we've told our season ticket holders, this is what's going to happen. We've told these other partners who use Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, this is how it's going to go. And we still don't know exactly how this money is going to shape up. And I think this was, you know, a, a strategic way of, you know, making that, making sure that's public. That, you know, like speaking up a little bit. And I think I talked about this with Connor a little bit. I think, frankly, it's time for the city, it's time for the Grizzlies to speak up a little bit on what's what exactly is going on here um, rather than these backroom negotiations and discussions. Like, it's, this is public money. 
It should be, there should be a public, I'm not saying everything has to be laid out there, but there should be a public discourse about this stuff before it all gets doled out. And it will eventually, because the city council has to approve it ultimately. Like, it's not just, it's not just Jim Strickland can go 200 million to the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium and it's done. It goes, he can say that and then the city council has to approve it. And like, you know, so it's August 25th. We know how this city runs. You know, they basically, if if Memphis is going to do this on time, we've got four months to get through Jim Strickland appropriating this, having a public discourse, then the city council approving this. And like, you know, can they do it in four months? Sure. But if they don't start moving on it, you know, time's going to run out quickly. Yeah, I don't know. The big problem that I see with this is, to me, where this is headed is, there's going to be this effort to try and satisfy both sides. Mm-hmm. And the reality is if you do that, you're going to wind up with two under well, you're going to wind up with two underwhelming renovations. Like this idea that 200 million fixes the Liberty Bowl is still not correct. Well, and I don't even go that. And by the way, I would. I'm I just don't even know. I like Mark, I think you might be right. Say that they're getting 200 million of the 350? Like that's insane to me. Like, at best, you sit there and you go, split it down the middle. But to act like that they're going to get more, that is insane. Well, they're not. I mean, they're going to get more of the straight cash. The Grizzlies also are going to have these huge tax funds. That's still insane to me. I, I can see that. I, I would, There's only one of these entities that is not leaving. Well, see, I would That's just, the University I of would, Memphis. Well, I would look at it from this perspective of there are still a few more years to get more money for the Grizzlies. Like, I don't think... I personally don't. It would be crazy. You are right. It is absolutely crazy if, like, you were if the if you're if you're going to lose the Grizzlies over like Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium That's getting renovated. That me. is insane. You are right because renovating. Like, here's the reality: renovate. They they can say it's important to conference realignment, and I think it's important in the sense that now you've told people you're going to do this. If you then don't do it, it's going to look really bad. But I still don't know if like if Memphis were to get into the ACC. I don't think it's going to be because they put in $200 million to the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. I don't think that's going to be the reason why they would get in, even though I think that's far-fetched, to be quite honest, that they get into the ACC. Correct. Ultimately. it's This isn't as simple as... If but the, if you're telling me... This is a very different discussion to me if this is, well, if you just do this to the stadium, you get in. But it's not... That's not if, how this If you works. were to tell me, though, we need to give this money to Memphis now because they're on this timeline, and then we will... Then, you know... then. We'll find we're going to find more money for the Grizzlies because we're going to fully fund their thing too. I could start listening now. That it is risk. It's risky. Hold on, okay? Because I've heard this yeah. talking point. It's risky. All right, I've heard this talking point. Where are you finding more money? I don't. Know, you go back to the state probably. And literally, it took you. This is a once. This has never been done before. Now they've had this type of funding. The the state in the last couple of years has never had surpluses like this before either. Like this is the product of the state having this a is huge so, surplus. This is so risky. Oh yeah. It, if if that's how it goes down, it will be it will be risky because you don't want to lose the Grizzlies. If that is how this goes down, I just want the mayor to know this. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe this. If this that's how it goes down, and you set up the avenue to lose the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. you will go down as the single least effective mayor in the city's history. No question. <laughs> uh, 
it's a tough spot for him. And ultimately. for the record, you will be blamed for it. He's trying to do a good thing. No, what he's trying to do is he, he's trying to keep both sides happy. And the reality they're major, is like they're both major entities. I understand it, but this is why I've always said to Tiger football fans, you need Mayor Strickland to wrap this up because he is going to care about the football program more than probably anyone else that's going to have decision making possibilities. Well, I don't think he cares. And I, I think would, he I think he's a legitimate Tiger football fan. The, well, the other argument for this though is if you read the bill, the Tennessee State Assembly. But that's because he got it that way. I'm just telling you though, it specifically says the part of the what these lawmakers voted on was giving money to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, giving money to University of Memphis's conference realignment efforts. They that was the the right the language of the bill is that's in the language of the bill. I, I understand whatever, that, but that's the, because how they wanted the language to be written. I'm just but I'm just saying remember like, they, then they went back and said, "Well, can you get these other things written in?" Well, they didn't get the other things written in. They just made the language ambiguous so you could include other things. They didn't say specifically AutoZone Park and the soccer stadium. The bill specifically says, or whatever, I don't, I don't know if bill is the right phrase here. It specifically says Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium for conference realignment right. and FedEx Forum I, for the I, Grizzlies. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm just saying. So they got to give some money to the, the to to preserve the spirit of what they did there, what the, what the state lawmakers voted on. They got to give some money to the the stadium. I'm with you though that like it feels risky to give a bunch of uh, to. I never in a million years thought Memphis was going to get 200 million out of this. So no. it would be surprising to me if that happened. But we'll see. I mean, I I took what Bill Hargrave put in there though as there's some concern about it ultimately because why would he put it in there if there no, was exactly how I I took so. It. Um, All right, you need to get to Blake. Yeah, let's get to Blake Topmeyer. You need to get to your baby. Yep. Uh, Blake Topmeyer is going to join us next. SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. We'll talk more realignment. Maybe some football. Week zero with him as well. You're listening to Giannotto and Jeffrey on 92.9 Event. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart to cart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm ESPN. J. 
Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. You can follow him on X at B. Topmeyer. He joins us every Friday. Blake, how excited are you? Week zero is here. Yeah, week zero is here. I wish there was a, a bit more of a headline game. What do you mean, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, Hawaii in a you know half-constructed stadium isn't a headline enough game for you? Yeah, I was going to say it's the construction bowl. Um, yeah, no, I don't know that that's a headline game. I wish that was like the, the appetizer or the dessert to something bigger. I mean, when it's Notre Dame-Navy, I guess, is is really kind of the, the biggest game of the Week Zero slate. It has been looking ahead already almost to the Thursday night games next week mm-hmm. because uh, I believe Utah-Florida play on Thursday night, right? And uh, that's... Mm-hmm. It's not only going to tell us something about the shape of the Pac-12, but uh, I think of, of more interest in, in this part of the country, in SEC land, um, where I'm at, I think it tells us a lot about Florida and uh, you know just how just how um, in the ditch things could go for the Caters and, and Billy Napier in his second season. We'll, we'll know more, I think, after Thursday night on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a seven o'clock kick on Thursday, August 31st. But I'm curious, what you know. Week zero in general, it, the you know we have Navy Notre Dame in Ireland as the kind of the marquee game. USC is playing on the Pac-12 network against San Jose State. Um, you, the aforementioned Vanderbilt Hawaii game. Do you think this is how it should be for Week Zero? Because like we should just be grateful that we're getting any real football, and that's what it's made for. Or like, should it be more of a thing? It is Week Zero it- after all. And I, I think if we're going to do it, let's make it a bit of a thing, you know. Um, I mean, I was like, it feels like there should be a game in each TV window that's good, like one I, game I think, each TV window that has like some pizzazz. I think so too, and, and actually, I, I would settle for two TV windows. Like, mm-hmm. like give us some uh, something to whet the appetite in the noon yeah. hour. But I don't care if it's really that good of a game. But then that like. Mid afternoon hour and and the evening prime the prime time slot like good games in in there would be really nice. I mean I I was texting with a couple buddies just college football fans this week and you know these are guys that I mean college football is like their favorite sport. Um, you know it's not sport number three or four and 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 my buddies they just they couldn't muster much enthusiasm uh, for for this Saturday's game and that's kind of the way I feel too. Like I mean I'm going to try to catch. Um, Vanderbilt, Hawaii, just just do my due diligence as an SEC writer, right? But mm-hmm. um, and I'll probably try to catch some of Notre Dame, Navy, but I can't I can't really call any of this uh, appointment viewing. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I might be uh, might be catching some of this on replay. I will admit. Uh, okay. Well, who you, you mentioned Florida as like a team you're really interested in seeing their first game is the only who else in the sec to you i mean obviously lsu has a big test against florida state is that that's the obvious choice is there anyone else who you think's going to have a telling first game in the sec or is it florida lsu does does tennessee fit the bill playing against virginia against the coach that may or may not have been offered the job uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over hypo um I- 
Yeah. I, I think Tennessee's going to crush Virginia. So do that, I. That one doesn't that one doesn't grab me much. But you, you hit an obvious one with LSU there. Uh, coming out of that game, it's going to be one of two narratives, right? If LSU loses, it'll be the Tigers were overhyped all off season. Um, you know, some some cheap shots will be thrown at Brian Kelly. I'm sure if they win, it'll be oh, you know, this team may not just dance around the playoff. Um, you know, they're going to be in the playoff. And the SEC is going to get two. It's going to be Georgia and LSU. You know, I mean, week one's uh, ripe for overreactions. And it's it's going to be, you know, a big swing in either direction for LSU based on the result. But the other one mm-hmm. that I'm really interested in, I think it's one of the sneaky good games. Yeah, I think I, think I know what you're going to talk about here. Yeah, South Carolina, North yep. Carolina. Um, I mean, you got Spencer Rattler, Drake May, uh, you got South Carolina flirting around the edge of the top twenty-five. North Carolina is a top twenty-five team, and it's um, gonna. I think that atmosphere. I've been in Charlotte for like divided crowd games at the ACC mm-hmm. championship, like when Virginia Tech played Clemson. Before Clemson was really good, like this is like back two thousand eleven. Like that was a great atmosphere because Clemson's not very far from from uh, Charlotte, and Virginia Tech wasn't very far. Now you got North Carolina, South Carolina. Like I think that's going to be a fifty-fifty crowd. Like it could be a fantastic. I could be the best environment of week one potentially. Yeah. Well, Florida State, LSU. Uh, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, LSU fans travel, so that's that, true. that one I think would probably be right up there. But yeah, I think that one in Charlotte's going to be good because with South Carolina, and we, we've talked about this before, but South Carolina ranks near the top of my list of teams. Where if it was like I were forced to predict. Uh, their record and something important was on the line based on my prediction. I would not feel feel good about that because yeah. um, you know this is a team to me with a ceiling of like could South Carolina go nine and three? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be stunned if South Carolina goes nine and three. You're good enough to beat um, Tennessee and Clemson last November. You take Notre Dame to the wire in a bowl game. Yeah, I think that uh, you return your starting quarterback, you return your coach. I think that means you could go nine and three this year. On the other hand. South Carolina has one of the toughest schedules in the SEC. Um, they play five teams ranked in the preseason top 25 throughout the course of the season. Three of those teams come in the month of September. So by October 1, like South Carolina is either going to be, uh, you know, hey, they're, they're, just, they're just waiting for the first college football playoff rankings to come out and seeing if they can be in the top 10 or something like that based on their uh, September performance, or it's going to be start right in the obituary for the South Carolina season because the month of September uh, and its brutal September schedule took a toll on them. Um, I'm starting to cool a little bit on South Carolina. Um, you know, they were the one of the teams that early in the off season, I think I had those Tennessee and Clemson results lingering in my brain. And I thought, okay, they're going to be, they're going to be really ready for the breakout season. They've been good the last couple years. They're ready to take the next step. But I'm cooling on them because, A, the schedule, and, B, you know, for all the attention Spencer Rattler gets, I think you look elsewhere in that program, and they still have a lot of soft spots. I think, I think the offensive line is vulnerable. Um, they don't really have a true workhorse running back. The defense is probably going to be just okay. Like, it's, it's Spencer Rattler and a questionable supporting cast going up against one of the the toughest schedules uh, in the SEC. So, uh, you know, it does have me backpedaling on South Carolina a little bit. All right. You mentioned uh, Florida could have a year-two coach who uh, finds himself in some hot water if things don't go right this year. Uh, Texas A&M, 
I guess Jimbo, it's technically year three. Is that right? He's entering year three, or is it year two? Uh, Jimbo's been there for a while. Yeah. He's he's, uh, he's been there longer than we think. It's, longer than we uh, think. Well, Ross yeah. Bjork was, uh, spoke Wednesday, and I, I want to know if you are uh, – if you see this as like you're buying this, you you believe him, or you think he's just saying what he has to say, build the last. That's my mantra. Ross Bjork told Chris Lowe of ESPN. There's no panic here. You can't be a blow by the wind program in how you make decisions and expect to win championships in the SEC. Sure, last year was disappointing for all of us, but I look at where we're headed, and so does Jimbo. So that was him dismissing any talk that Jimbo is on the hot seat, like some of these lists suggest. You buying it? Well, well, I think you have to do that in Ross Bjork's chair when you're the one that signed off on the contract extension <laughs> and the raise and the increased buyout for him about two years ago. Uh, so it's like you, you got you to gotta stand tall for your man uh, when you're the one with your name on, on the contract because uh, finally... You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 